0: Welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast, I'm Brendan Sinone, and in person here today with both Bob Ferrante and Chris Snee of Knowles 24-7, and we actually have a special guest joining us, Wayne McGahee with the Tallahassee Democrat. Hi, Wayne. How's it going? Wayne is a friend of, I guess, all of us, kind of a, we called him a friend of the the podcast before because we actually referenced some of our conversations with you, I don't know if you know that because you don't listen to the podcast, and according to Josh Newberg, no one does, but... Uh, for those of you who actually are listening thank you and uh, we have a nice amount of stuff to go over today uh, starting with baseball super regional action that should be fun Uh, some football news some recruiting news so let's jump into it talking about uh, baseball fsu hosting the super regional against sam houston state this weekend and uh, really just kind of adding to what has been a, a pretty crazy a spectacularly crazy roller coaster season let's start with bob you actually wrote about kind of the the just this roller coaster ride of the season after the the regional round, with Florida State uh, beats Auburn, and, and just just a crazy weekend there. Have you ever covered a, a season quite like this with baseball? You've been around for a while. Have you ever covered anything quite like
1: this? No, I think Mike Martin said it a few times too. That he's never really experienced anything like this, where he's had significant injuries with with four regular players in the batting order out, uh, not all at the same time. But I think they only had maybe ten games together. You know, at one point this year and. Obviously that, that won't happen again because Red Applin's been out for about a month now with the foot injury. So, you know, unfortunately they won't have their best hitter, but they've, they've got a lineup that's, that's producing enough runs. It's got some holes in it. But I think this is a, uh, an interesting team as far as how the pitching has come along finally. It's, it's finally starting to develop into the pitching staff that we thought it could be. They've gotten a lot of consistent starts in a row, really starting from that, that first game of the Louisville series up there. And they've just been able to piece it together. At this point, I, I'm kind of done predicting what this team is going to do. I have no idea win or lose this weekend, but it's kind of been a fun ride to watch the last couple of weeks.
0: And Chris, you said the other day that I think it was our last podcast. You said that this was sustainable. and This was after the ACC Championship, and, and we talked about what this team was doing. Well, I guess how do you view of, of I guess I mean obviously they're, they're peaking. What have they done well to get to this point and what, As you begin to – I know you're working on a piece about how things kind of flipped. Um, what has kind of gone into to the, the fortunes of just changing for this team so, so quickly?
2: Well, I think the turnaround is both on and off the field. I think off the field they're a loose bunch. You know, FSU baseball traditionally usually gets tight at the end of the year in the postseason. I don't think this team really has that mentality. I think Quincy kind of leads that train. You know, he's loose. He's sort of a – I say this nicely, an idiot. But in a good way. He's that guy that keeps them loose in the dugout. He's having fun doing it. You know, he's just going about it. And he he handles that role very well. I think that helps. When the going gets tough, this team doesn't get all bunched up. Now, on the field, it's quality starts. First and foremost, it's the ability to get guys like Tyler Holton to give you, you know, eight, nine innings. Will Zerzal comes out of nowhere and gives you a complete game. You get that if you have bullpen issues, which FSU to some degree still has bullpen issues. If you get those kind of quality starts, it kind of erases your mistakes. And they've gotten away from giving away extra outs. You know, they did have some base running snafus, especially the two outs on one play, which was just magical. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. You know, so they still have those moments, but in general, they're not doing that as often. You know, They're not giving teams 30-31 outs in a 27-out game So on, when they're on the defensive side. And on offense, you know, they run themselves out of an inning here and there, but they're not doing it enough where it's putting them in a predicament where they can't win games. So I think it's just a matter of playing better ball overall, but it starts with the quality pitching. Those starts have been outstanding, especially dating back to the beginning of the Louisville series. And they've done a fairly good job of handling the pen, too. Mm-hmm. They, they've had guys prepared in most cases to come in. Guys have handled coming in, playing the different roles, You know whether it's getting one guy out, pitching extended relief, two innings of closing with Drew Carlton. You know, different guys have worn different caps and done it pretty well.
0: We, we're doing this podcast in person to try to kind of help uh, with some of the audio issues that we've been having lately. And, of course, a police helicopter flies overhead and kind of rattles the entire uh, the entire work, media workroom that we're at in the bowels of uh, Doe Campbell Stadium. So, um, good stuff. Wayne, what kind of going off of what Chris said, what are things, I guess, that are standing out to you about, about this team right now? Where do you like about, about how Florida State's playing? I guess what gives you confidence that, that they have a chance, a really
3: good chance now to make it to Omaha? Well, this team has been able to hit, well, for most of the season. There have been a couple you know, here and there. But now that they're mostly back from injury, obviously, you know, we mentioned Red Applin mm-hmm. being out for the season. They've always been able to hit it. I mean, it, it comes down to what both of these guys said, where it's, it's the pitching. Yeah. During the regional, Florida State issued eight walks in five games. They're throwing strikes. They're getting guys out, and they're getting quality starts. They aren't, you know, I mean, outside of Cole Sands, who had a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay in between, you know, his first and second inning, you know, they're going deep into they're going deep into games. So, it it, it all starts with the pitching. Florida State can hit with anybody, but now that they're putting the the pitching together, Mm -hmm. they can play with anybody in the country. If if this continues and they continue to get the quality starts, they will be able to hit anybody in the country. It's just, it's going to depend on the pitching as far as how far they go.
2: Yeah, and the pitching, it breeds confidence. Tyler sets a tone. I'm glad Tyler's the game one starter for the Super Regional. He sets a tone. He's damn good. He's got three pitches he hits his spots. Teams just don't have luck against him. He's keeping them off balance. It sets a tone, you know. Drew Parrish has pitched very well in the last month. Will out came out of nowhere, you know, hadn't thrown in what 26 days has the outing of his life. You see good pitching, you want to repeat that. You know, I I think when it's Carp and Bird and Drew Carlton and guys like that coming out of the pen, they want to live up to what the starting pitcher has done for them or what they saw the night before or the day before. So I think you know, baseball is a game of confidence. FSU had none at some points during the season. Virginia Tech series is one I think back to. They were pretty you know horrendous at that point of the season. It's pretty clear this team is not only a loose bunch like I spoke about earlier, but I think they're a confident bunch. They, they know they're good. Everybody around this program preseason spoke about this team in a different light than they normally do. They always think FSU baseball is good, but they thought this team was capable of being very good and mm-hmm. walking through the gates of Omaha. And now they're two games away from doing that.
0: And they were 27 and 18 in late April, and now what's the record? 41 and or 43 and 21. So, uh, just again a, a crazy comeback. And you guys had talked about things that they had to do to get to this place, and, and they've done it. Now two wins away from getting to Omaha, Wayne. You actually had a, a really interesting story on Sam Houston State and kind of their strategy with a ton of bunting, and and you talked to different coaches in the conference, and essentially it's a pain in the ass to go against, right?
3: Yeah, it's uh, that's basically how they described it. It's you have to be completely on your game, and even then, if they execute, there's not really much you can do about it. I mean, one coach was saying that they bunted with two outs, two strikes, and a runner on third, and it worked. And I asked, you know, I asked him, how do you prepare for that? And He's like, you can't. You can't take an hour and a half and spend it on two out, two strike bunting at practice. You just can't do it. You just have to hope that they just don't execute. But they are a very good bunt-executing team. Um, They have a lot of sacrifice bunts, but most of them aren't actually sacrifice bunts. They just bunt for hits with guys on base, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's going to be a complete pain in the ass to deal with for Florida State and for me personally because I hate bunting. (laughs)
0: There's a lot of things that Wayne hates, and I kind of hope that's what we kind of unveil to our audience during the the podcast is that Wayne's a very salty human being, Uh, a great friend to all of us, but just extremely grumpy. Uh, you guys observed earlier today and we're recording this on Friday that Florida State's putting in new sod or new grass in the in the infield.
2: Yeah they, they laid literally the entire infield was redone yesterday. They mm-hmm. gutted it, scraped it up, created a little you know I don't know inch two inch base mm-hmm. and then they unrolled it. There's video that we put up on the side Chip Baker took some video when they uh, started doing it. I went in and took a picture when they were pretty close to finish yesterday afternoon. Um, what I was told is that a virus had affected the grass between the pitcher's mound and home plate, and it was pretty noticeable last weekend that that area is pretty dead. Um, now, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but it's interesting that a team that loves a bun is coming in, and all of a sudden you <laughs> go from having what essentially probably equates to a very fast track between, be, between the pitcher's mound and home plate for a bunting team... And now you'll have nice, fertile, fresh, beautiful green grass. Slow it down so, a little bit. sort of interesting to me.
3: <laughs> I talked to um, the facilities manager at Floor State earlier today for a story that I'm writing this afternoon. And um, I asked him about that. I was like, is, you know, is that, how does that affect the way it will play? He said it won't affect the way it will play. But if they, you know, if they were going to go out and try to do something, they'd wet the grass or they'd let it die. You know, so it's, grow. you know, it's, it's for all the conspiracy theorists out there, you
1: know, they, he kind of put the damper on that. And I think one thing that, in the end, you still have to feel these bunts. So my question, I'm, I'm kind of concerned if I'm a Florida State fan because I've watched enough Dylan Busby at third base. And Drew Mendoza, at first, he's not a natural first baseman. By any means, he's never played the position. Coming up through high school, I think he was always a shortstop. He came here with the thought of being a third baseman replacing John Sansone. So now to me, looking at what Sam Houston State does well, I don't feel great about how Florida State is going to charge these bunts. I think that's going to be interesting, how many outs you give up in additional opportunities for Sam Houston State to score. Well, the thing is is that Dylan
3: Busby is at his worst when he has a chance to think about the throw to third. Yeah, he's thinking of a double-pump. Yes, when he, he double-pumps,
2: it's usually going really high, really fast, and really far. That's been the case
3: for you know all of the third basemen, dating back to you know, Gonzo. But... You know when it's when he doesn't have time to process it, he makes re, like he makes really tough defensive plays look easy, yeah. which is going to be you know good for him because he's going to have a lot of tough defensive plays where he doesn't have the chance to double pump. So you know I think I think the more concerning thing would be Mendoza trying to field the bunt down the first base line. Um, I think that's a legitimate concern that Florida State should be should have been working on all week in practice. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you've just got to. You've got to field it. I mean, you've got the pitchers on the mound. They're going to be they're going to be the keys. You've got because yeah. Cal Raleigh getting out, you know, after what starting all sixty five games at catcher this year is going to be tough for him. Yeah,
2: he's not spring fresh. Cal ain't going to be popping out off his toes and getting after those balls real well. He can do it if it's in front of plate, but in most cases, it's a PFP. FSU pitchers generally are fairly good at dealing with that. Busby's very good at charging in and going with the bare hand and making a strong throw. He honestly makes better throws when he goes with kind of the sidearm, submarine, quick throw than the uh, you know, three-quarters overhand that he goes with. Those he tends to think about in air mills. Um, I think for FSU, it just, with the bunting, you can't become obsessed with it. They're going to do it. They're going to have some success with it, but you can't allow bunt singles to turn into doubles or triples because of throwing errors or not covering a base or whatever the heck it is. I, I think it's more about... What you do away from the ball on the bunt than actually handling the bunt itself. I think FSU has to be careful not to get so obsessed or you know mind stuck on handling the actual ball of the bunt that they allow those to turn into you know doubles and triples that never leave the infield. And also,
3: you know, when they do get on base, they run and yeah. they don't stop running. They are fourth in the country in stolen bases this year. So it's I mean it's there's there's a lot of pressure on Cal. You know, behind the plate to come up firing just consistently because uh, their leadoff hitter has 33 stolen bases this season <laughs> on 40 attempts. So he's he's very quick. He's hitting 350, so he gets on a lot. Um, it's it's going to be a quite a challenge for Cal Raleigh behind the plate, who's not the greatest defensive catcher. He has a cannon of an arm, and when he's accurate, he's he's on. But when he's off, it's going into center field, and it's going to turn from first to second to first to third.
2: Yeah, and you need pitchers to do an effective job of keeping guys on base, making the right pitch when the pitch needs to be either, you know, high so Cal can get in, throw, or outside so Cal can get in, maybe snap down the first. I, I think you can be conscious of the uh, bases and just, you know, as much as Sam Houston State wants you to be preoccupied with the guy on base, I think you need to kind of you know let that guy know you're very aware that he exists and that he's there and you know, strike the guy out at the plate. Don't allow base runners, and you don't have to worry about it. But if they do get base runners, FSU has to, you know, more so than normal, keep those guys closer to the base. Don't allow big leads. Don't allow them to easily take a base. Don't allow things to be uncontested.
3: I do think that starting um, Mike Morton in, in his press conference said that Drew Parrish was would ninety nine percent likely start the second game of the yep. series, which I think is extremely smart on his part because Parrish has much better breaking stuff than Cole Sands. Cole Sands is a power pitcher, a lot easier to bunt that type of ball than it is to bunt a curveball. So um, Mike Morton's playing, uh, playing the matchups, and I think he's playing very well. And I think um, also uh, Bryce Johnson, who I mentioned earlier – doesn't hit left-handed pitching very well. He's a switch hitter. He can't hit from the right side as well as he does from the left. So going two lefties in the first two starts could really make a difference.
2: Yeah, and to add to Wayne's point on Johnson, he has 33 stolen bases, which ranks fourth in college baseball. The team as a whole has 102 out of 138 attempts, which ranks 10th in the nation as far as stolen bases total. So they're they're a very active team on the base, path. So it's clearly something FSU has to keep in it. Ion and they're what fourth and sacrifice bunts in the nation. Yeah,
0: sixty-eight. So yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's like a like a type of psychological warfare that they're almost trying to play. Where there's been a ton of pressure on the infielders, and that's where it comes down to Florida State, like you said, Chris, just not not making mistakes, not letting a single turn into a double or an errant throw or something like that.
3: The but, two teams are just completely stylistically and program history wise yeah, yeah, at the opposite, opposite end yeah. of the spectrum. Florida State's hit more home runs than they have since 2010 season. They're still
2: playing. Mm-hmm. so And then you know, Sam Houston, and then Sam have, Houston yeah. has hit 31 total. Yeah. And then you look at the they programs. Have, they have 28 triples and 31 home runs. So that, that entirely depicts what that team is. They're yes. about speed, not power. Yeah. And then
3: you look at Florida State's making their 16th super regional appearance, the most of any team in college baseball, and – no team from the Southland com- Conference has ever, ever made a Super Regional. Yeah, Sam Houston's so first and first from I mean, the conference. we're on the completely opposite ends of the spectrum with the Super Regional.
2: I couldn't think of a team that FSU's played, and I've been going to FSU baseball either as media or as a kid for 20 or so years now. I can't remember a team they played that played this kind of style. Like, I, I've seen teams that were very good, effective bunting teams, but not teams that literally bunted on purpose constantly. Constantly. Mm-hmm.
0: Bob, you mentioned that they had, is not their coach today, they had, like, a bunch of former Florida or uh, football players and stuff like that on the roster? Like, this is yeah. a team that
1: goes after athletes, right? Yeah, I think he knows who he has to recruit. He talked about, you know, he wants a certain mindset. The guy has to fit you know exactly what the program wants. He says, as a recruit, you know you're going to come in, you're going to bunt. It's, it's a bunch of high school football players, and it's kind of interesting. He's, he's a really fired-up baseball coach in a football-crazy state, and he's a small baseball program at that, so he's got to do something a little bit nuts to recruit enough players who can compete in that conference. He's also the king of cliches.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, he checked off a lot of boxes yeah. <laughs> during the <laughs> conference, I mean. I think he Speaking channeled Zach he channeled
2: Zach Gilfinakis at one point <laughs> to do a little wolf pack talk. I, I heard something about taking down buffaloes. I mean thinking dancing with wolves. I mean we, it really got interesting the over there. We had the we sh- had a biblical reference, which I'm all it's all good. So it was an it was an interesting afternoon with uh, Matt what digs is it? I can't remember his last name. Yeah.
0: Dances with wolves is a terrible movie, by the way. Every ah. movie Kevin Costner in uh well Whoa, you well, hey, whoa you're yeah, I'll go ahead and say we, it. Field of Dreams was terrible.
2: Oh, okay. Oh my okay.
0: They, they, they pandered pandered to to nostalgia and, yeah. and, and just
3: cheap and unfortunately, cheap And unfortunately, Brendan Sonome will no longer be with us on the podcast <laughs> as he is dead. Yeah, <laughs> stick to your day job, Sonome.
0: <laughs> eh, I'm forgettable of that, too. You know, it's kind of like like Sam Houston State, I feel like, is like the, the Georgia Tech... It's almost like going against this triple option, yeah. crazy spread team that's having a, or a spread option, whatever you know, Paul Johnson likes to call it. You can try it, to prepare
2: for one. it, but until you see it, you don't know how And it's going to be a pain in the it. ass, and it's different. Yeah, they and... have no idea
3: how to prepare for it because they can't lay down a bunch to save their lives, but I digress.
0: <laughs> so, Bob, earlier you said you didn't want to do any more predictions for this team because so you don't know how to predict uh, who's going to win this weekend. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I, I could definitely see Florida State winning it. They've got the pitching staff that's really been on a roll of late. So that's that's a huge advantage with their consistency, um, not just with the starters, but, you know, you could bring in Zerzow or Carp if you need to late in games. Um, you feel better about the pitching staff now. I do think they win, but the back of my head is still saying, oh, my goodness, how are they going to field against bunt after bunt after bunt? I just, that's the thing that kind of gives me some pause.
0: So what do we have? What do you got? I'll, they go,
1: I'll go Florida State to win in three games.
0: Three games? All right. Wayne, what do you have?
3: I got Florida State in two. I think the overall this team is just much better than Sam Houston State is um, talent-wise. Pitching-wise, if Florida State can carry over you know what they've been getting from the starting pitching, I mean, Tyler Holton has just been masterful. I mean, there's no other way to describe what he's been over the past month. If he continues that and gets Florida State into the uh, – you know, into the first game, maybe say if Florida State could win big in the first game and just take all of that, you know, momentum that Sam Houston State had, it would uh, it would go a long way. So I've got Florida State and two. I think uh, they're just the better team, and I think
2: that's going to ride. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I got FSU and two. I I don't want to diminish Sam Houston State. They went into Lubbock. They beat a really good Texas Tech squad. They beat Arizona in the process of winning that regional. Um, they're legit. I mean, you don't get here by not being legit. It's not luck. They won their conference tournament. They placed third in the regular season. So they're not a bad baseball team. And they're a unique baseball team. I just think FSU is a better baseball team. And I think, truthfully, FSU's pitching. And I can't believe I'm saying this because it was crap you know, six weeks ago. But FSU's pitching is far as superior to their opponent, mm-hmm. and I feel like they've clicked. I, I feel like FSU is chugging along. It's not always about being the best team. It's about being the hottest team. You know, we always talk about that cliche, but it's true. FSU's a hot team. They're a good team. They're a talented team. I think they're the better team, so I think they come out of here and go to Omaha.
0: Last thing before we uh we we move on uh to football and some recruiting stuff. Do you guys know what a Bearcat is? I don't know what a Sam Houston State Bearcat is.
3: I don't know, but it's Bearcat with a K. Yeah. So, so. does anyone know? No, no. All right, all right. Guys, if you
0: know what it is, uh, please let us know. Google it, whatever. Uh, I I don't know what a Sam Houston State Bearcat is. So, all right, moving on to to football. Uh, some news, which you know, typically when there's news in June, it's not great. Um, and, and in this case, it's uh. Keith Bryant, uh, reserve defensive lineman, is no longer on the roster. Uh, we had heard kind of some rumors about that for eh, maybe a couple weeks back. weren't able to confirm it, and uh, and he was
2: uh, arrested. Uh, was it earlier in the week? Um, is, isn't it amazing how when a guy gets arrested, they're so quick to confirm it?
0: To confirm it, yeah. And then yeah. the guys that aren't arrested that are still floating around, yeah. and, and until Colin Blake gets uh gets arrested, he's not. He's not, yeah. He it's, doesn't it's actually it's a weird...
3: exist. So who
0: <laughs> can Colin Blake, we've, we've seen him parking outside this press room before, long after his, uh, his time was over. But, um, yeah, so Keith Bryant, gone. Florida State, you know, quick to, to let him go. We heard, had heard academics with him, but, but again, not able to confirm that. So I don't think it had to do with the, the actual arrest. He had had multiple off-field things with lease least parking citations. And there was almost a it was a, a,
3: at least a half dozen from when I went and did searches of it. I think it more has to do that he's a fifth-year senior with six total tackles to his name yeah, in his you, career. You, you
2: three games, three point games in your yeah. career where you can't you can't give them a reason to say sign our. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you just can't do it because they're you know Jimbo's not one to process and cut guys, but. You know, when you're trying to fit a class and you have to make room. and we, We've and talked about the scholarship
0: crunch, and they you know, are up against it at this point. I think they're at 88, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. uh, projected. That's with if you assume that all 2017 class guys are coming in, which we believe they are. Not official yet, but, but we believe they're all expected to. Uh, you have to get to 85, and I believe it's at the start of the fall semester. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're up against it, but that attrition normally works itself out. It always has for Florida State. Um, but, yeah, if you're Keith Bryant... Uh, he was the guy that I thought I mean, remember a year ago, I mean Jimbo was, you know, talking about him pretty pretty positively and thought he was a guy that could kind of spell Demarcus Walker as that big defensive end and, and Demarcus Walker has to end up playing like nine hundred snaps because you know, uh, Keith Bryan gets hurt and they not have anyone else that was really capable of that. But but I do think, you know, he had enough talent to make a contribution this year if he was healthy, but but you when you have Jalen Wilkerson who's comparable skill set and two, three years younger uh, Janarius Robinson's the guy you need to get reps in there. Like you said, Chris, at that point in his career, you just you just can't afford to to give the team a reason
3: to to let you go. He's also not a guy that brings anything special to the table. Like if you go back to a fifth year senior who, you know, made an impact a senior after not making an impact, you know, any time before that, it's Georgia George. Newberry. Yeah. Newberry. But he brought length, length. he brought, yeah. you know, the dime rabbit package, he could get up, block uh, you know, bat down passes. Yeah. Keith Bryant brings none of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, no, he's not, a, uh, but if you need I mean, they're short on big defensive ends right now, those edge setter type of Keith, guys.
2: Keith was always a guy that, I think, some in the fan base, and I'd throw myself in this, we hearkened back to the recruit he was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and we expected at some point he's going to give us, you know, return on that deposit. There's going to be something from him. Never happened. No. Whether injury or just not getting out of his own way on the field or whatever it was, it never happened. Did I think he could play this year? Yeah, I think he could have found himself in the, some snaps. But at the end of spring, he seemed like he had pissed the staff off again, and they I were, think he was running. 14, they were, yeah, the they lo- were the a lot the day where there wasn't a fourteen. Yeah. So he was the only scholarship
3: and, player doing in, on the fourth team in rabbit drills. That's yeah, yeah. he he had, he had done something that had pissed everybody on the staff off.
2: It's like he kept you know getting in a really fast car and driving down the road and running into a dead end. That's the best way I can describe his career. Like it. it it never seemed like it was going the right direction. The well, he
0: has run through red lights apparently, cool. according yeah, to court documents, or at stop signs. I should moving and non-moving violations
2: <laughs> because those apparently seem to be his thing.
0: Uh, you mentioned Bryant, and I just did. We'll get back to the defensive ends, but I did a story on the 2013 class. I'm going to look through like each class, and Wayne, you probably didn't read it because you don't read my stuff apparently. And I don't know if I mean, who does. Bob's the only one who does because he's forced to edit it to I make actually, sure. To, I read uh, that one. Uh, So what's interesting, at least to to me about that class, is almost half of the 22 guys at Florida State signed, and that's including, uh, was it Richie Kleppel? Am I pronouncing that correctly? I'm terrible with names. Kleppel. Kleppel. um, He never really arrived because he had concussion issues in Florida State. uh, They honored him. They honored him.
2: He was never... But, yeah.
0: but but so he was part of the signing class. So I did include him for those purposes. But regardless, almost you know, of the 22, 10 have left early or just didn't finish their career at Florida State. That's not including like, guys who've gone on to be drafted. And just a, a group. And Chris, do you remember that class? That was Jimbo's lowest ranked rec- recruiting class, only one to not be in the top 10 since he's been at Florida State. And, and the on field results have kind of, kind of matched that.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've seen at FSU when you have two good classes in a row that pan out, you can win national championships. That's kind of the, you know, exception not rule. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get classes that pan out at a really high rate. If you get above 50%, you're doing well. If you get in the 60%, 70% range, you're going to be a very good elite-level mm-hmm. football team, especially if you have that in two instances coinciding with yeah. one another. Um, that class, uh, Truthfully, that class is a disappointment. I mean, there's what two superstars? Two, in it? two,
0: two stars and that. That's to me. It's like not just the ten guys that didn't, you know, make it. And link Wilson Bell was fine. And he didn't yeah. make it, but he plenty did. of
2: contributors, but very few guys that were truly yeah. Different there's players. elite,
0: and then there's just this huge gap. There's not enough guys in between, like Matthew Thomas or yeah. Derek Hoskins, have one season of starting experience and and just haven't done enough yet to
2: to be good. We, you know, we may see do. some of them pan out. I mean, yeah. there's still time for what. Five, six of them basically. Matthew uh, Thomas, being the Thomas, one Thomas, Hoskins,
0: charge. Ryan Green's still here, and yeah, other, I mean, but he's in a loaded backfield, or at least a talented one. Uh, Vickers is still here. Hey.
2: Jimbo Fisher loves him some job. Is
0: Vickers in 13? I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. But, yeah, they have a couple guys still here uh, Kerr is still here. Yeah, so, good blocking um, time.
1: And Nate Andrews is still here. And Nate Andrews is still here.
0: But, but, yeah, so we're looking at guys that haven't been difference makers up to this point.
3: Well, I mean, you also have to consider that Florida State had to replace the entire defensive coaching staff outside of Odell Higgins that year. Hmm. Um, you know, they replaced six coaches. They completely changed up the style of defense they were playing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... He, you, I, I guess it was kind of expected that that class was going to suck because they had to process guys. <laughs> you By know, FSU
0: standards, it was not
3: a... Yes, yeah, uh, it, it was not a great class. You know, we we talk about it sucking, but it was, what, 11th?
0: Yeah, it was 11th, 11th
3: nationally. You know, so I mean, Yeah,
0: but then I think that the biggest thing with that class is is, yeah, the the lack of star power in it and the amount of guys who just never did anything, really. Like yeah. E.J. Levenberry transfers with, like, one career start, and that wasn't much of a start. Uh, Keith Bryant we've already talked about. It was Isaiah Jones, the wide receiver. You know, these are all guys that are ranked 250, you know, in the composite or better. These are guys that were expected to be difference makers. Ryan Green hasn't been able to stay healthy and, and switch positions and back, you know, from running back to cornerback. And it um, just hasn't been – what the issue is, is then if you compound that with a bad class afterwards. And 2014, which I'm working on now, is still kind of to be determined. You get Dalvin Cook, who's obviously a special player, uh, and they haven't had as, as much attrition thus far, although that's still a year to, to be seen till it catches up. But that, that's kind of what the issue is of, of where you see now. And, and one more thing, and then we'll move on. But that class, the offensive alignment in that class really didn't pan out, and the linebackers in that class, at least to this point, uh, haven't been impact guys to the extent like like Matthew Thomas has been fine in one year starting experience and really came on late last year but his recruiting ranking was in between he was in between uh, Jalen Smith and Jonathan Allen. Yeah, Here, here's a
2: quick rundown of the what I will equate to dead weight in that class: Ira Denson, who got himself an off field issue; Levenberry left yep. out of transfer; didn't like more him. like Le- Leftonberry. Keith Bryant, you know we've covered. Isaiah Jones transferred out, went Juco. Richie Kleppel never was going to play here. Ryan Hofeld got hurt and, truthfully, he wasn't on. He, he got, great. like, nine starts out der- of him, but, yeah, yeah, not great ones. Wilson to, Bell has transferred out. DeBarris Bryant never truly made it. Tyrell Lyons left. I think Tyrell was actually done fairly good at where he transferred and to he Northern Iowa. Northern
0: Iowa, he would have been a decent situational player yeah. at Florida State if he had
2: stayed. And John Franklin left for greener pastures. He would have been a good cornerback if, he had a
0: cornerback if he ever decided to well, play well, do, corner cornerback. You know, who the
2: you know, most productive. Linebacker
3: that they signed there was Freddie Stevenson. Fullback, not linebacker, but yeah. Then they signed what five
0: or six I mean, linebackers. He, he signed as class? a
3: linebacker and then he moved to fullback. Bob's boy.
0: <laughs> Wayne owes me dinner or something like that. I forgot what the bet was, but he thought Freddie Stevenson would be drafted and he wasn't because fullbacks really aren't drafted. So one was. Yeah. What was that Sam Rogers or yeah, what? Out yeah. of
2: Virginia Tech. Yeah. I think it's fair to say Freddie was the next man up at the position, I'm but you're right; it's a dead position in the yeah. league. But he's going to make a roster.
0: Yeah, he will. That wasn't the bet, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so back to back to defensive end. Um, yeah, I don't think any of us thought Keith Bryant was going to be a huge factor this year at all. I, again, I thought having a guy that's a big body player uh, is kind of needed because you don't really have a proven one at all on this roster, so it would have been nice to have that insurance. But uh, So let's see, what did they have? They have Jalen Wilkerson.
2: Yep, yeah, who is heavy, um, but this, I think Jalen is – kind of getting in that position of being ready to contribute. We like, saw
0: his body starting to kind of get back in the check. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: think he intentionally got very heavy and then worked his way back a bit because he had to put on weight. Janarius has been kind of the opposite. Genarius, you know, looked like Titus. Yeah, He's added weight. I think he's about 260 now. He looks like a million bucks. We'll yeah. see if it translates. Yeah, he passes the, the eye play. test as much yeah. as yeah. anyone on this was learning how to play the position. Mm-hmm. He just didn't really have a great understanding when he walked through the door. I think working with Brad will pay off. Working with DeMarcus last year will pay off, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, you know, he's a to-be-determined type of guy.
3: He's, he's a guy who needs to get reps, though. I mean, he's yeah. He's a guy who can't, you know, isn't going to learn just by sitting on the sidelines yeah. and having Brad dictate it to him. He needs to get out there and get reps.
0: And that's when you have a guy like Keith Bryant who eventually you just can't steal reps from a guy like Robinson, I think is what yeah. it comes comes down Unfortunately,
3: to. Unfortunately, you know, Alabama's up first, not, you know. Yeah. The Southeast Sisters so, is poor. So we're
0: still kind of looking at what they do at strong side defensive end. I mean, do they take Josh Sweat, and that's you know, something Jimbo had mentioned. He's a really good edge setter, but it's a different role when you're when you're playing on the strong side and, and lining up with a tight end he or also whatever. Hated the yeah, idea. I was going to say, he's he not a fan of the idea. the idea. Well, you know, what? I don't think it matters if he likes the idea or not, though, too. Like, I don't
2: know how much. I think know. the way you have that conversation is, hey, it's going to make you money. Yeah. It shows your versatility. score You can play both. You mm-hmm. can play a lot of different schemes in the NFL. And, you know, Josh. Josh's future is the NFL, whether it's a really high pick or just a pick. Can, can Kendo can Joshua Kando, because he's a big, but. Yeah, he, I mean, he's he a big play, dude. He's but. a physical dude. He plays big. I, Jimbo, I can't remember if it was during spring, pre-spring, after spring. I don't remember the exact timing, but he, he talked about how Kando, you know, physically looks great, but he is big. He can play just as well big as he can play small. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look... Look it, but he is 260. I mean, yeah. it's because yeah. he's just so well put together. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, he's he just a crea- doesn't look bulky. He's, he's a creative character, as I say. Yeah.
3: He, he's not, you know, DeMarcus Walker, who looks big, but, you know.
0: Mark, DeMarcus, uh, and he was in really good shape by the end of his career, but he always had that little
3: Buddha belly. Uh, yeah. And even when he was in
0: Great Endurance and stuff, I just kind of his build. But yeah, so they're looking to replace DeMarcus. And I shouldn't say replace, that's not the right word, but but you know, supplement his production and he just did so much for them and
2: I think the one part of DM discussion is they can get creative. I mean, they did three years ago. They did last year with Mm -hmm. DeMarcus. It's not like they they're not obsessive with being the same thing year in, year out yeah. from a defensive end standpoint. They kind of play to the pieces they have. Oh, they,
0: they have guys that they can do a ton of different stuff rushing the pass. I mean, I don't think that's going to be the issue.
3: You but, also have to, you know, throw in Derwin James Yeah, in there. exactly. I mean, you could throw Josh Matthew, Sweat out there. Matthew, Matthew Thomas is really good. Yeah, I mean, you still have Jacob you Peer, who's, you know, 240, 250. Oh, they mean?
0: have about six or seven legitimate, like, high-end, talented yeah. edge rushers. I yeah. more can get concerned about defending the defending the run. I think that's more... Well, Do you have Wally
2: I mean, Amy? I'm in mean the opinion Naughty and Christmas are both going to be badass-level players this year, especially Naughty. If Naughty, fully yeah. healthy, yeah, I have no yes. doubt. With Christmas, is Christmas's potential is outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can be phenomenal when he plays to his best. He was really good in the spring game as well. The lights seem to be yeah. coming on. Those two set the tone. You know, it makes your edge rushers... Have to work a lot less, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, to be successful. Yeah, if
0: you can, if you can have those guys, you know, take up gaps and stuff, both of them consistently, then yeah, you don't need a, a Demarcus Walker to yeah, set the edge. To teams that, last year
2: focused two on Demarcus a lot, <laughs> which helped free up other guys. This year, you know, if they're having to the focus three on the two on the interior, it changes the scheme, changes the attack. So, I don't think it's a predicament. I don't think Keith Bryant truthfully influenced the roster a whole lot, nor the outcome of games. I, I don't think there's. Yeah, much to make of it other than it just is a body off the roster who could have been capable of taking some snaps.
0: You know it's June and we spend 10 minutes talking about Keith (laughs) Bryant's contribution or or lack thereof. Um, All right, I'm trying to think anything else on football. Let's move to, well, we got Justin (laughs) Fields' talk uh, because I know, you, you know, We don't talk about quarterback recruiting enough on this podcast. So, Chris, can you just update uh, uh, where Justin Fields is and his recruitment, a recent decommitment from Penn State, I guess, take it from there of what that means.
2: Yeah, he went ahead and backed off Penn State, which had been the source of a lot of speculation for several weeks. Focus is uh, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Florida State. Some people think it's more of a three-team race, with FSU not being one of those three. Some people think it's a four-team race. I'm personally of the opinion that it's a – how many ever teams he visits this summer race. If he shows up on campus at Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Auburn, he cares about all four of those. Um, Auburn, his seven-on-seven coach is Cam Newton. He's very close to Cam, so that's kind of part of the reason they're in play. With Florida, they've been on him about the longest of anybody. They've worked the hardest to get them out of that Penn State pledge, and, you know, clearly they need a quarterback on that roster. Their offensive talent's not very good. You assume Malik Zaire a- is not a capable quarterback? Uh. He's he, really, a, he looks like a running back. He's dad. like a poor man's Everett Golson. Everett Golson was pretty poor. So hey, I'm, has I'm 97 all about it. career passes. Um, Georgia is the in-state school. They've worked hard on him. There's appeal there, but Georgia's roster is probably the most unappealing of the four. And then Florida State, you know, kind of got in there late. Has to do some work, and you know, they'll go from there. If they get him on campus, they'll have a shot. Plain and simple, with that kid, it comes down to getting them on campus, doing work, impressing them in
1: person.
0: All right, real quick, sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but we, uh, again, trying to get nice audio, and now we have people coming in and just throwing metal chairs, and it's like a WWE or WWF or whatever, whatever you crazy kids are are watching these days, Uh, it's like a wrestling match in here. So anyways, uh, sorry about the noise, Uh, we had to pause and let things go, and as I'm recording, I'm not distracted because I have both Chris and Wayne looking outside at the Bobby Bowden statue, presumably because they see a recruit, possibly, um... This is kind of kind of a distracting podcast. And I'm also finding it to be an enjoyable one to record, too. It's a lot of I'm life podcasting and personality. i and
2: stalking at the same time. I can do multiple things at once.
0: Chris Chris was called creepy by a compliance officer today.
2: <laughs> they meant it nicely, though. <laughs> Here's this thing.
3: Have you seen the, you know, describe your job badly? And, you know, our, our description would be, I've... I stalk kids for yeah, a living. stalk yeah. 16, 17, and 18 year old kids on Twitter.
2: Career day at my kids' school was really awkward last <laughs> year when I was explaining my job. They were, they were a little dumbfounded by what I did. You get paid for that?
0: <laughs> um, so, anyways, Justin, Justin Fields, so that kind of surmises like where Florida State is with them right now obviously we've talked about quarterback recruiting and kind of the need for there probably being a, a, seeming more and more likely that they want to take a guy in 2018 um, yeah. and needing a good one too
2: I think with fields people need to slow the heck down like, how oh, dare you like every you Tell know, he to decommets slow down. and everybody's like oh my god he's going to Florida blah 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 blah, blah. I don't I'm not convinced this recruitment goes into a senior season. I am convinced this recruitment goes through the duration of July. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot can happen in the next 50-some-odd days. He's got visits to take, schools he wants to see, and I think he's a kid that truly is going to investigate schools. It wasn't easy for him to back off Penn State. Yeah, He didn't come to that decision lightly. He didn't rush into that decision.
0: That was like a month in the making right? at least, right? There,
2: there was a lot of talk for a good while, and the kid took his time to make sure he truly wanted to decommit. Mm-hmm. And he, he should have. He probably committed too early, to be perfectly honest. He's blown up from a national perspective since he made that commitment. So... I think he's going to take a sweet time doing it. I think he truly wants to get a feel for coaches, schemes, talent, incoming classes, all of those things. And the only way he and his father are going to be able to do that is by getting on campuses. So the next key for him is getting on campus. Now, he's a busy schedule kid. I think he's at the Rivals 5-Star Challenge this weekend. Pretty sure he's an opening quarterback. Yeah, he's one of the Elite 11 quarterbacks that will be at the opening at the end of the month. He's got baseball obligations too. So fitting in camp and school visits isn't exactly easy. You can't just, you know, hop in the car and go to five schools this week. He's busy. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I've said August 10th is my kind of drop-dead date for quarterbacks. I don't know if he'll be committed by then, but I think he'll have a much better understanding of where he stands with schools and where the schools stand with him.
3: And if Florida State's going to get in it, they need to get a visit longer than the 45-minute visit he took yeah, here yeah, in April. Yeah. They're playing right. catch-up.
0: Well, this is follow the – I mean, you guys always say follow the visits, and this is kind of a case of it. If you're talking about a kid that has a busy schedule, like the, the schools he's going to, and, and quarterbacks typically are not open in the in the fall. They're done by the summer, like you said, Chris. This is kind of – so there's only about a month and a half, two months to his recruitment,
2: and with not a lot of time. Like, where he goes and visits, like, that's going to be a pretty big deal. And quarterback recruiting is unique. I mean, when you're a kid of that level who believes he's a multi-year starter at major schools, you have to make sure you're picking the right school to be able to be that guy. It's the reason we see so many transfers. Quarterbacks don't want to sit. Nobody wants to be the guy that's a redshirt junior and still hasn't taken a snap. That's not what it's about anymore in that position. So. When people kind of scoff at Florida being in it, well, Florida's in it because their quarterback situation sucks. bad. Yeah, so he has a chance. The reason they're in it is because it's an easy play. And not that the kid won't compete. He'll certainly compete. But he can walk in there and compete day one Mm -hmm. for starting reps. I don't know if he views FSU as that because he would walk in next year with likely a Francois for another year. Mm -hmm. So he is going to have to wait a year. But I think he's also going to look at systems, and I'm not trying to be homerish here, but FSU's system is a lot more kind and better for quarterbacks with better offensive talent than a Florida. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a kid that's going to truly take in a lot on a lot of schools and have a lot of conversations with his parents. He's not just all of a sudden going to jump and say, hey, I'm going to UF or I'm going to FSU or I'm going to Georgia or Auburn. That's not happening. I'll be very surprised if it happens before the end of July, and I'll be very surprised if it happens before he takes at least three to four visits. To different schools.
0: You guys were talking about before the podcast whether uh, Wayne, are you a true Justin Fields fan or?
3: When we got he he came down for a seven on seven um, here in Tallahassee, and at the very beginning, I honestly i, I didn't think i didn't believe the hype. He, he got better as the day went on, and he made some phenomenal throws. But at the, at the very beginning, he really really struggled. His team went you know four and out. Um, Both times that they uh, both times that he was the quarterback because he was just missing his targets. They had him throwing on the run. He he just he he was he was high with his throws. He wasn't hitting the spots. So I was um, I was a little disappointed at the beginning. But then as the day went on, they went on to win the championship. Um, He was he was really good and he made a number of throws that just made me say, wow. So um, I don't know. I, I think that he's a very, very good prospect.
2: But from what I saw that day, I mean, it was very up and down. I took that day with a grain of salt. I, I agree with Wayne's assessment of his play on that day. I take it with a grain of salt with him because he's truly a dual-threat quarterback, and he creates a lot of action with his feet, both in the running game and the passing game. In seven on seven, yeah, that's definitely not app. that setting. You, you don't get to see that in setting. His film's damn good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he puts it on in film. I've seen him in a couple different settings. I've seen a lot of film on him. I think he's legit. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the class, but I think he is a guy that's nipping at those heels. I don't think he's far off. Yeah, he's
0: close to discussion. the gap in the evaluation, yeah. you know, with all the, yeah.
2: uh, the pundits. La- Lawrence is a natural. Yeah. People get tired of the same guy being the top guy for mm-hmm. a long time. I think that's happening with Lawrence some. And Lawrence, to me, is that guy. I don't think he's conquerable. Mm-hmm. But Justin Fields is in that discussion. He's damn good,
0: mm-hmm.
2: he's a huge difference maker. If he goes to UF, UF's fortunes will drastically change. Maybe not immediately, but he's a huge piece they've been missing in recent years. And he goes oh, to, yeah, Auburn, a well, he goes he to Auburn, he's the best quarterback they've had since had camp. Yeah. Maybe. Stidham might be good, but I'm saying as far as what we know, has happened Stidham's been He goes to FSU, good. he he's the next guy. How dare you like, forget about John he, Franklin's time at Auburn. He's the guy, if you're betting money, Auburn. you would bet on him over a Bailey Hawkman or James Blackman. That's not to diminish the ability of those two players. He's simply a better prospect coming out of high school ranks as compared to those guys coming out of high school ranks. Now, they'll obviously have a year under their belt here, and that makes a difference, but he's he's an extremely talented special player with good arm talent, excellent athleticism. He's intelligent. He processes the game well. He can play the game of football at an extremely high level. He's also a guy that other guys want to play
3: with, you yeah. know, he's... If, 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 like you were saying, he does go to Florida, he's going to bring offensive talent with him because guys want to play with a quarterback of that caliber. I mean, especially at the wide receiver position, something that they have really struggled to recruit because they've, frankly, sucked on offense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's just going to completely change things as far as, you know, bringing talent to whatever school he goes to. You know, I mean, he, uh, if we're talking about it, he probably fits Auburn's system the best currently of any of the teams that we're, that we're mentioning here, mm-hmm. but I mean, is Gus Malzon gonna, you know, is he on the hot seat? Is he gonna get fired? He's a year? dual threat kid, but he,
2: I think he prefers to be a pro style quarterback.
0: And those, and it's becoming so and so blend, so much more yeah. blended. Like what, like Jimbo's starting to go RPO and he doing doesn't look to run.
2: Yeah. He can run. Yeah. He's extremely effective with his legs, but he wants to take a snap, read the field, scan multiple options, make it an intelligent play. If it's not there, then he'll go. Yep. But he's not you know, taking the snap and thinking, I'm going to extend this play with my legs. If it's not there, I'm going. He's not playing the video games version of a running quarterback. <laughs> he ain't that guy. He is a quarterback who prefers to throw. And I, I think he, I think he can. I, I, agree that Auburn, because Auburn is willing to be very versatile with their quarterbacks, might fit him the best of all four. But I think he can be ultra successful in any of those systems. I think he's a guy that you put him in a pro style offensive system that's willing to allow their quarterbacks to, you know, gain yards. Some of what we saw with Francois last mm-hmm. year, but with a guy who's a little more, you know, just natural of a runner, I think he can be ultra successful.
0: All right, I think that's a good, uh, a good note to end things on. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us. The podcast went a little bit longer than I expected, but hopefully it was informative and fun. Uh, Bob Ferrante, once again, kind of stands on his uh, his baseball talk, uh, which is always pretty solid.
1: Bob's just here, so he won't get fined. I let you all carry my ass the last half of the <laughs> podcast, so I'm good.
0: <laughs> last week you were uh, you were lucky. You left uh, and then just Newberg killed us the entire podcast by being mopey and ADD-ish and, or ADHD. I don't even know what it is anymore. I hate that but, guy. Son of a bitch. Um, but for the Knowles Twenty Four Seven podcast, I'm Brendan Sinone. Uh Thanks for Bob Ferrante joining me. Thanks to Chris Nee joining me. Wayne McGahee of the Tallahassee Democrat, who's I don't know what are you mad about right now.
3: I'm mad that you told me I couldn't cuss on this podcast, and you oh, sitting that, here dropping that, a whole bunch that, of that, that, We, that we cuss said word. to keep it in check. That, that was a, you
0: couldn't
2: use your favorite word. Oh uh, well,
0: that was a, whatever. That was a lie. Get one in real quick if you want it. No, I'm good. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys.